Hey, Ryan, what's up? What's going on? Not much. You ready to start this thing? Let's do it. All right, first time I've not read it. See if I can get this right. Welcome, to everybody, to the It's Too Wordy comic book podcast, where a couple of buddies talk about comics from their childhood and today. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. And today we are talking about uh, Damon Wayne as a Robin. This will be our last Robin before we go into... Uh, which crisis are we doing, Nick? I blanked. Crisis on Infinite Earth. Crisis on Infinite Earth. And then we are taking a look at Aftershock, uh, Mistatonic. So uh, sit back and enjoy the show. Where would we like to start, Nick? Uh, you know what? Let's just do Robin real quick. Let's do Damian right. Wayne. All right. All right. So Damian Wayne first appeared in Batman and Robin Volume 2, Number 1. But if you really want to think about it, it was probably somewhere around Son of the Demon. Right? Um, right. Because Talia showed up. She had a baby in her arms. That would be Damien. But that's pre-crisis, right? If I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think that's right. Right? So that never happened. So take that and throw that away. Um, so he is the son of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul, uh, daughter of Ra's al Ghul. He is... An a-hole. Total little a-hole. I do not, did not like this kid when I started reading it. I kind of started to like him when he was in Batman and Robin with Dick Grayson. But I don't know. I don't know if I, if I like him at all. You know, um, see, there's, there's really... So he shows up. Uh, when did he show up? Like after final or before final crisis, right? I think it was right before. Yeah. Right. And so right before Bruce goes missing through time, Dick has a, train him and the whole time like keep him from killing people this kid is overpowered and let me just tell you this this is his powers right this is his abilities he is an expert archer he is considered more skilled or as skilled with a sword as he is with a paintbrush so he's an artist he knows how to fly everything he he's 12 and he knows more about business management than anybody else on the planet he's computer hacker He's an expert in disguise. He can drive. He's been driving since he was five years old. He can probably get out of more escapes than Mr. 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 Miracle. He is an expert with firearms. He is a complete genius intellect. He's really good at intimidating people. He is maybe even better as a detective than Bruce. He well, That's not hard. Right, because... <laughs> <laughs> He's never done any detective work in the last 20 years, maybe 40 years since the 70s. Um, he was trained by the League of Assassins, so he is a martial arts expert. He can do medical science. He's an expert at music. He's a musician, occultism. 
uh, stealth, swordsmanship, judo, throwing batarangs. Like, and I love his weakness, arrogance. That's his weakness. Of course, he's an <laughs> arrogant little a-hole who, I don't know, does anybody like this kid? I mean... Actually, I have a co-worker at the shop that is a massive Damian Wayne fan. I don't get it. I don't I, either. I mean, I understand he's the edgier Robin that everybody kind of needed. You know, it went in a cyclical fashion. It went from Dick, who was nice, to Jason, who was a D-bag, to Tim, who was really happy. Okay, so you're wearing a hoodie, right? And your hood falls over your face. Does Would you ever think that wearing a hood to fight crime would be a good idea? You're constantly pulling that hood up, and you can't see out the side of your head. So his costume is completely improbable. Right. I mean... But he knows how to do everything, Nick, so he's he's good. Right. He's probably It's probably a see-through head, you know, a hood that he can see through, and... I, I'm really sick of characters that are so OP that mm -hmm. this this character is the epitome of OP. He's a better arse, like marksman with a bow than a green arrow. I'm sorry. No. Just because you're you were trained by the league when you since you were a baby doesn't mean that you have more ability. It, you know, it, this takes away from other characters that have come and gone before him right that when you're like oh yeah you know this guy's a better archer than green arrow well you know give green arrow his props that he should be the greatest archer on the planet i mean he practices all the time damien probably doesn't practice that much on archery as much as queen does you know it's no. like and given all these things, his only weakness is that he's arrogant. He's arrogant because you gave him way too many, like, abilities. Absolutely. He's it, good at everything. Except for being a nice guy. He's, he's, I don't know. I became more of a fan of Batman being, in once he was more independent, than... Um, when he actually got on, or when they brought him on, it he is very arrogant, like you've mentioned. Um, it, I don't think he really adds anything to the Batman mythos at all, and um, it I just don't understand why he's still around. To be honest. <laughs> No, I mean, like, okay, so this is his quote. I'm not like Tim or Jason or even Dick. I'm light years ahead of all of them, or I'm light years ahead of all the past Robins in skill and training. I'm either your partner in this or I'm not. Well, why, okay, I don't know. Like, why, like yeah, like you said, why is this kid still around? He would have no reason to stay with Bruce. No reason. He, no. He, he could be running the League of Assassins and not even yep. caring. Why, why would this kid 
who's trained as an assassin, who's born to kill people, want to be a vigilante that doesn't kill people? I don't. Well, what was it? he was in? No, I'm not going to get it right. Um, there's a book with him and Superboy. I'm Super Sons? Super Sons. Mm-hmm. I think Tomasi wrote it. And I did enjoy that. There was good chemistry. They did a great job making the chemistry work between Superboy and him. But I think Tomasi did a really good job of not making him so overpowered either. Right. Kind of gave him a little bit more humanity, um, making it more of an entertaining read. Um, but that is the only version of Damon Wayne I've ever cared for at all. Right. Uh, it's funny that Jonathan Kent or John Kent considers Damien his best friend. Uh, very weird friendship, I would say. I mean, yeah. You got uh, the sweet little super kid and the jerky little bat kid. Even uh, there was an issue of the Legion of Superheroes that just came out probably like issue four or five where Superboy goes back to the past and grabs Damien and takes him into the future and the Legion freak out. They're like, is that Damien Wayne? Yes. Uh, okay, take him back now. And they, they make him take him back and then with no explanation. They're just like, no, he cannot be here. Go home. So, yeah, the Legion, Legion didn't even want him. So there's that. So there must be something that they're planning for the future of what Damien does that will affect the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, well, and I... Not being a Legion fan, but that's something that's always bugged me, is, like, do they... I don't recall any ever any follow-up on situations like that. Oh, there's never. Because they always, like, have to reboot. So there's like eight different Legion titles. You know, there's different volumes because something happens that changes the continuity of the future. So they have to reboot the Legion to have that effect. You know, like Supergirl shows up. Okay, well, Supergirl goes to Legion. Well, now you have to change the Legion. Um, Just some things that happen. Like crisis, crisis made it change, of course. So, but yeah, I mean, he's still running around with the Teen Titans, and uh, I don't understand how they can call themselves the Teen Titans anymore because Starfire's like thirty, Raven's like thirty, Raven's always been like thirty, except for <laughs> when they when they changed it into her looking like the cartoon. Like, Raven was always, like, super tall with her legs sticking out and, like, short, like, like dress cut up to her thigh, like, her cat, like, her hips. And now she does not look anything like that. Um, I don't know. I mean, they, they can't be the Teen Titans anymore because these characters 
like should be in at least their thirties now. Yeah, I guess Ravens always been. I was trying to think. Uh, there's not really ever been a ma- huge change on the Teen Titans. It's always been. Yeah, Kid Flash, Raven, Starfire, Wonder Girl, Changeling, Kid Chameleon, whatever you want to call it. Like, Chameleon Boy. Like, well, I don't know. I'm like so many Legion characters that you get them confused with. Because there's a Chameleon, Chameleon Boy. Kid Chameleon, and like, okay, Garth. We'll just call him Garth. <laughs> and Cyborg. And they got a Wayne. So they, they got, got a Wayne, Wayne and Garth. Yeah, Wayne and Garth. <laughs> Have they ever made that joke? I don't think. Maybe they have. I don't, I don't read Teen Titans. I, I've always thought the character of Raven was interesting. So any storyline that was really revolving around her. I thought it was really cool. Um, but the rest of them, I'm like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I did like Jeff John's run on Teen Titans. Um, up until about the 30s number, numbering. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was really, really good. It was a lot of fun. The art was amazing. Um, good storytelling. And then I was just like, yeah, I'm done. And now the new the Teen Titans are kind of like um, is basically Young Justice, isn't it? Because they got Superboy, they got um, I think they got yeah they got Robin. Trying to think who else? Impulse, Wonder Girl. Yeah, they just need to drop the teen part, I guess. Right, just do the Titans because they're no longer teens. All right, dude, that's Damian Wayne. And you can tell I love that character so much, right? (laughs) Yeah, I don't think either of us are a fan. (laughs) No. All right. So that takes us over to Mistatonic by Aftershock. Mark Stable. And Jorio Pontrelli. All right, dude, I want to ask, how much Lovecraft have you read? Not a ton. Okay. But it's something I should read. Well, I'm interested in it. Just never read a ton of it. I'll, uh, I'll hook you up with some podcasts that they go over all of his stories so you don't have to read them. Because reading some Lovecraft is... Ugh. Draining. Some some of his stories are so bad. Some of them are really good. And where this is going is I have two favorite Lovecraft stories. At the Mountain of Madness, which I'm using for the Ghostbusters role-playing thing right now. And my my players don't know that, so good. They don't know that. Um, not like they listen to this either so there's no secret there (laughs) and Inzimuth yeah Inzimuth yeah it's one of my favorite like settings the the town that time forgot 
because there was a, a huge FBI raid and the town kind of just kind of fell into shambles, right? Mm -hmm. And this takes up after the raid, which is pretty cool, like 40 years after the raid. So, I don't know. Um, should we go through the story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, before we get into it, I do want to point out, this is some of the thickest stock paper and cover I've felt on a comic in a long time. Yeah. It's very well made. Uh, really liked it. All right. So, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is taking place when? In the like 1920. 1920. And, um, a, they're in the FBI office, um, and Hoover is the director. And he's basically kicking FBI people or some agents out um, for for just kind of what is it not acting the way FBI agents should act. And one of them is a female female agent, and uh, she calls him out on being sexist essentially. And before she leaves, or he offered to get her like a job in the, uh, in the typing pool. pool. Yeah. The typing pool, yeah. Uh, she's like, well, before I do that, why don't you take a look at this real quick? And it was... They don't say it. They don't show what it is. Okay. So I, he's well, like, oh. Look at the paper. He's like, oh, okay. And then, then he gives her something else. Right? Yeah. It's called plain words. And it's something that was going around during other bombings around Massachusetts at the time. Right. So they're like, this is probably a, a copycat, but you should look into this anyway. And he sends them, he sends her to, to go to Innsmouth to meet an FBI agent, another agent about a bombing that happened in the Miskatonic Valley. Right. That's, that's how the story began. This guy's like, gets a package and his house blows up. And then she has to go investigate that. And Okay, so in the story, right, there is a bus, and it's driven by a, a creepy old dude. And, and the, the bus breaks down, right? And the guy that's in it can't leave the town because the bus breaks down, and they have to fix it overnight, so he has to stay overnight. And a whole bunch of crap happens. Like, they, the, the fish people come out and want to kill him. Well, you see the bus. And I was like, oh my God, it's the bus, right? I shouldn't be happy about a bus, but I was happy about a bus. <laughs> and there's, there's like always, nobody wants to go to Innsmouth, so there's one person on it, and it's her, right? And, and there's so much Lovecraft in this. You know, they, they find like the green ichor of whatever, right? Some monster. And they don't know what it is, but it smells horrible. And so she's like, well, we're going to take it back because Hoover wants this 
to be a more scientific FBI. So we're going to take some samples. And she finds some cryptic writing on, I don't know how she knew this, invisible ink on paper. Like how, how did she figure that out? There was no indication. Like, oh, uh, you know, some of the story just flops ahead so fast. That it's I like, suspect we're going to get more detail about her right. as the story goes. So they go and they talk to Zadok. And Zadok is in the Innsmouth horror, right? He's He talks to the main character. He gives him information. He gives him a map. He tells him all about the fish people. Um the the history of the town, how they were like the sea captain was going out and bringing back nothing but boatloads of gold and some kind of weird sacrificial rites to the deep ones. And so Zadok is in this book and he's talking about how no there the house blew up and you guys didn't find a body, but that's because it was taken and he's just going off about how there was, yeah, there was fish parts and frog parts everywhere. Like the, uh, the monsters that are in Innsmouth are humanoid fish, frog people. So that's why there's a blown up fish frog right there. <laughs> and then, <laughs> And there's a there's a church that took over the old uh, Masonic temple in town, and they're called the Order of Dagon. And Dagon is the elder god of the Deep Ones. So if you ever seen the movie Dagon, this is who he is, right? And I love that he calls them fish effers. You know those dirty fish effers. And you you get to see like the the fish orgy in here, which is really weird. Right. That was so, a little weird. Yep. And in the story, right, I was telling you, that this guy has to stay in a hotel overnight and gets attacked in the hotel. Same thing happens in the book. They have to, the, the bus breaks down, they have to go stay in the hotel. And there's gunshots, there's slamming on doors, there's a, a, a chase through the town by them and fish people and the order of Dagon. And they run into the, the church and they take the robes. And she's like, I'm not dressed like a Klansman. I never thought that the order of Dagon dressed like Klansmen, but I guess in this book they do, which is really <laughs> weird. Um, in my brain, I never, I never equated them dressing in the hoods and stuff. I just right. assumed that they were wearing like cultist robes, not so much pointy headgear, but so they're leaving and I don't see a camera on this chick at all. Right. Especially a giant camera, but she's running and she has a camera and she takes a picture and there's, there's the fish orgy which is really creepy. And they're all saying like, you know, the, the whole Cthulhu Fatagan, but they're not saying any of that. They're saying like weird crap, like Astaroth and Belial and Bills above. And 
Dagon, and they, they they get attacked by the Order of Dagon. Of course, like I think that this is probably one of the best mixing of Lovecraft and comics. Like, there's been some Cthulhu books that I I've read, and I am so sick of Cthulhu mythos. Until this, like, I really like this. I don't know. What did you think, Ryan? I really dug it. Um, I, again, not super familiar with, uh, outside of Cthulhu, uh, H.P. Lovecraft. Um, but reading it, I'm like, this kind of feels like what I picture H.P. Lovecraft. You know? Um, I thought the art was really good. Yeah, there's a couple of parts where you're like, eh. uh, you know, the camera coming out of nowhere. Um, and I, I guess that could have happened in passing in between a scene we didn't see. I mean, there's even one spot where uh, when they're slamming or they're in the hotel and things were slamming around and whatever, and she was in the, his room talking to him real quick. And if you look at her, she doesn't have shoes on, but then the next scene they're running across the top of the roof and she's got shoes on. Yeah. She did not go back to her room. <laughs> no. <laughs> because that one was pretty... So yeah, there's some a few goofs in it, but the storytelling was so good that that kind of stuff didn't bother me. Um, so I'm really looking forward to reading more of it. Um, you know how big of an aftershock guy I am. I pretty much pick up. I always add every aftershock title to my uh, pull list. And I decided I was going to cut back. And this was the first one I did not add to my pull list. Yeah. And I missed out. That's what. That's the problem. I'm afraid I'm going to miss something good when it comes to these books. My Aftershock. And I'm glad I picked it up. And I thought we, I'm glad we did it. Okay. So I will say about the camera. She is wearing a collapsible folding camera. Um, but it changes size. Right, so on the cover, it's about about uh, six to eight inches long, right? Uh, right. It's a rectangle, about six to eight. And sometimes when she's running, she's got a triangle or, or a rectangle around her chest that's probably about four. And then when she pulls it out, somehow it's got a, a flash on it and a huge, thick body. These cameras don't have thick bodies. They're really thin. Trust me, I've used them before. They they do not fold out like they do in this book. Like the cover is perfect. The inside where she's holding it, yeah. completely wrong. And it's like the inside mm. one look like more of a modern day camera. Right. It does. And it's like, I don't know where she got the flash from either, because then she's then she's got it around her neck later on, and it looks like an SLR. Looks like a typical, yeah. I, some it's a great book unless you start looking at it as a photographer, and you're like that right. camera's not right. Uh, that you would not be able to use that camera in the dark, or <laughs> but no, you yeah. should read it because you enjoy it. Right, story. The, I mean, because I understand where you're coming. I knew you would call those things out. Um, 
But if that kind of stuff doesn't bother you and you just want a really good story, this needs to be checked out. Yeah. It's good. I really liked it. Excellent pick on your part. But I will say, can we leave Innsmouth alone? I mean, there's so much. So much other stuff from Lovecraft. Um, this being my favorite has been used so much. There's There was a movie called Dagon, which was not anywhere about the story of Dagon, but more about them doing Innsmouth. So if you go see that movie, it's okay. But yeah, I mean... I, yeah, like I said, go go read some Lovecraft and uh, tell me what you think because a lot of his stories not good. <laughs> kind of like Edgar Allan Poe, huh? Kind of, yeah. Um, there there are some real stinkers, and uh, yeah, some real stinkers. All right, dude. I liked it. I will pick up more. And yeah, I hope it goes good. farther than one. Well, typically... Um, it goes like six or something like that, right? They usually go five or six after Shock does. Yeah. Uh, there's only been a few books that have gone longer than that, and that's like uh, Animosity or Animal Animosity and uh, Baby Teeth and Dark Ark are the three that I can think of that have continued on. Most of the stories are usually a five, six issue story arc. All right. So they'll hop us over to the random reads. I know you said that you've had a pretty busy week, so you didn't have anything this week. That's okay. Everybody has them. Um, I'm going to start off with Batgirl. Um, the last issue of Batgirl just came out. I think it was issue 50. I don't have it in front of me. But um, it was maybe the most boring, dry book I have ever read. And I've read a lot of books. Um, there's really no character development whatsoever. I, I guess there was for, for her... Uh, wanting to find new ways to help the uh, Gotham area, um, not necessarily just being a superhero, but um, doing it through uh, politics and things like that. Um, it had a couple of mini stories at the back of it. Uh, one, <laughs> which I found very amusing, was where it was her. I'm trying to remember everybody that was involved in it. So it was Batgirl, Black Canary, Orphan, Cassandra Kane, and I think there was in spoiler. And they were playing D and D, or their version of D and D, and they got called out, and uh, everybody went out but Batgirl, and. They used what they had learned playing D and D to work better as a team. They were complaining about playing D and D the whole time, and they used what they learned playing D and D as a team out in the field, and it helped them immensely. And so when they came back, they're like, "Hey, we figured out why you wanted us to play D and D." I thought it was a pretty cool story. 
but was it worth the amount I paid for it? No. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Um, okay, I'm going to start off with this. So last week we did Mighty Morphin. I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was really good. And I was, you know, how I mentioned Power Rangers comes out this week. Little concerned that it's going to be one of those where you kind of have to hop back and forth. Um, the universes do touch a little bit. These are three different Rangers. Um, and they, are, they were out in space and they ended up coming back to um, the city. And they run into the other Rangers and, you know, they're hanging out with them and talking to them and all that. And, um, Zordon or, you know, Zordon, uh, has basically denounced these three from being Rangers or like basically not Rangers any longer get out. And they currently have a prisoner uh, Zordon currently has a prisoner, uh, Dracon, mm-hmm. and these three rangers are trying to get get him. So they went and talked to him for a few minutes, and he kind of explains his side of the story, and they start listening to him a little bit. And then, you know, it kind of goes through them just training with the rest of the rangers and all that jazz. And they get done hanging out, and they're like, okay, we got to go. They said they were on a, um, like, a class trip. That's why they were gone when they were out in space. And they come back, and so everybody's like, oh, how was the trip? Great. No, we got to go leave for another one. Excuse them from leaving again. And they're saying goodbye to the other rangers and everything. And... One of the three goes, uh, so we're going to go ba- break out Dracon now, right? They're like, yep. So they break in to Zordon's, I, I don't know, place, and go get, fight through their, you know, all the security measures. They get there, break out Dracon, they take off. And now they're going to start following Drake on. Um, I did not enjoy this like I did the last one. So I'll probably stick with Mighty Morphin, but as far as the Power Rangers go, I probably will be avoiding that one. Yeah? Yeah. Just, I could not get into it. Tried. Um, I just could not get into it. It's all right, though. Okay. Um, Do you ever read American Vampire? No. I never read American Vampire. Um, I heard great things about it. By the time I kind of heard it was worth picking up. Yeah, I read one of them. I think I read the first issue. Yeah? What did you think of it? You didn't like it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I guess that would answer uh, I, I I know. I, I am too. Uh, book two came out. I'm like, you know what? Two issues are out. I'm going to try this out. I grabbed the first issue. I grabbed this one. 
It's American Vampire 1976 by uh, Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque. And um, I will tell you, I was unbelievably confused when I read the first book because I had never read American Vampire. By the time I started thinking about even getting interested in it, uh, the first issue was already going selling really expensive. I uh, didn't want to waste the money on the trades or couldn't find trade one, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm going to give this a shot. In the first issue, I was very confused. Um, I got the impression that these were all characters that you would know from reading the original series. What the second issue did, though, was it kind of goes back and reintroduces those characters. So it makes sense now. Uh, so I, after reading the second issue, I enjoyed the first issue more, if that makes sense. Cool. Um, this is, it kind of gives the history or it gives the history of um, James or Jim book and Skinner Sweet and their brothers. And you can't and after the first issue, you kind of got the idea that Skinner was the good guy and Jim Book was the bad guy. Um and I don't know if you knew they were brothers or not from the original series, but they they go back into that a little bit and how um Jim's wife ended up doing some sacrificing to save him and help him being a vampire turn more, kind of get more of the characteristics of a human back to him, even though he's still a vampire. Instead of being the monstrous vampire, he, he now looks a little bit more human, acts more normal, that kind of a thing. And as soon as he started getting better, she died. So um, then jumps ahead and they're going to rob a train. Sweet and book are going to rob a train with this other gal. And there is something in this train that tells where the original nest of vampires are that created all vampires. And they've got this plan on how to do this. And uh, sweet uses was a vampire back in the Western days. And he's like, when we rob trains, what we do is detach the last train and then have a hole in a cave and it would just roll right off into that hole. And they would never figure out where it is until it was too late. So he's like, we're going to do this exact same thing on this train. And, um, so they go down there. Everything's going to plan about as well as it can. And uh, then they jump over to New York City, which that was kind of a bore. I don't. I have no idea what was actually happening there um, because that was the first time I really got brought up. But you get back to the train, and the patrol on this train, the police that are on this train come busting in to um, stop them. And two other guys show up or two other cops show up. They're like, yeah, we have 30 more guys outside. We're waiting. We knew this was going to happen. We were waiting for you. So 
sweet and book all turn into vampire stuff, you know, go vampire. They're going to attack. And these policemen on the train were like, yeah, we already know who you are. We're not really worried about you. And they turn into these massive demon creatures. And that's where it leaves off. Um, I was interested. I mean, as far as this book goes, I was interested in about 50% of it. I like the gym book, the sweet story. The other characters that are in other locations, there's no real explanation of what's who they are or anything. So you have no kind of development towards understanding what's going on there. Um, I don't know. I, I would say it's probably a three out of a five, but I don't know if I'm going to continue to get it. Um, yeah. I am. I'm kind of done with the vampire thing too. I just wanted to try it out and see because I heard so many good things about the last, that last series. Um, Final one I have. Um, so it's been about a year, I think. Maybe a little bit less than a year. Uh, DC was doing Tales from the Dark Multiverse. I talked about some of them. Right, yep. They're doing some more of them. Um, I saw the advertisement in here someplace. And this one was based off of Hush. I'm trying to think what the other ones were. Um... This one was based off of Hush. And they're doing like five other ones, which I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, uh, this is what their Elseworlds are now. So, um, sorry, I'm just trying to find the ad for the, the other books. So you can have an idea, but I don't see it. Anyhow. Yeah, there was the one about Blue Beetle. Yeah. And yeah, we did that one. Yeah, there's like four or five of them. So, it, um, so this <laughs> recaps the whole hush thing. Um, and what changes though, is that Thomas Elliot and his family were with the Waynes when they left Zorro. They also witnessed the Waynes get murdered in the alley. Um, instead of Alfred taking Bruce in, they adopted him. And they kind of became brothers. Um, and then it jumps ahead, and the whole environment's completely different. Um, Jason Todd is a like a spy of some sort. Um, he's dating um, Black Canary. Harvey Dent is not Two-Face. The Penguin's respected. Um, so T Elliot is the guy that's kind of running things now. He runs Wayne Enterprises. He's a senator, um, highly respected. Everybody loves him. And he's dating Talia. And he gets called away to go 
to a to Arkham. And the Scarecrow is the doctor on call at the Arkham. And he's all sorts of sinister like he normally is. But, you know, this is like all these bad guys are actually good people for the most part or productive people. And he finds out that Bruce has died. So he identifies him in the corner section of Arkham and he's going to leave. And Dr. Crane goes, well, uh, the, this, the Mad Hatter's singing about the bat of Arkham. And, um, He's like, and they've been saying that they've, they're seeing something at night. And Elliot's like, whatever, I don't believe you. And then the lights go out. And all of a sudden, Batman or a Batman character is jumping out, dressed like, so he's got the wrappings like Hush did, and Hush on his arms, his head. And then his cape is red. His bat symbol is red. Rest of it's pure black, and um, you see a little bit later, Elliot's flying in a chopper away, and somebody fires a missile at the chopper, and the chopper starts crashing with Elliot in it. They somehow survive the crash, and Barbara Gordon's on the ground starting a riot um, to attack Thomas Elliot and take it to him. And Tim Drake's there. He's a now a bad guy. Um, and they're all going after Elliot. And Nightwing shows up. But it's not Nightwing. He is... Um, from the Court of Owls, and he's called the Gray Sun. And he's wow. assigned the, yeah, the Gray Sun. The Gray Sun. They're like going as Drake. What's that? They're like just going as Drake. No, you know, they're just going to use their bet last names. Yeah, just yeah. They he is the Gray Sun. He's a oh. part of the League of Gray Suns or something. It. <laughs> and he was assigned by the president to protect. Thomas Elliot. They get Barbara Gordon and she's like, Oh, somebody attacked the helicopter. That wasn't us. Thomas Elliot's going to be dead here shortly. Anyhow. So the gray son goes bolting out of the room to go protect Elliot. They go visit Jason Todd. Who's half cyborg at this point. Um, and Jason Todd's like, yeah, I'm working with Talia, your girlfriend in the League of Assassins, and they decided your time is done. We're going to kill you now. And Grayson and Jason Todd start battling, and then a third party shows up, or uh, the Batman creature shows up, and Grayson and Jason Todd start battling him together. Um, so you kind of see, I mean... They basically just reversed the roles of everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to get into this too much further. I get kind of gave a quite a bit of detail already, but this was a fun read. 
if he can get over some of the cheesiness of the Grayson, you know. And I, there are some characters I wish they would. You're, you kind of look at and you're like, is that supposed to be this person? But you don't know because they really never gave a name to him or anything. Um, but it is well worth the read. I, I really enjoy these. It is a little bit higher price, six bucks. But, uh, you know, again, I've always liked the Elseworld stuff. And that was a lot of fun. So that's what I had this week. <clears throat> cool. Oh, all right. So I guess that rolls us around to news. You got any? Uh, no. DC. Uh, see the DC firings? Yes. DC laid off some more individuals. And they all happen to be working with um, the comic shop side. So a lot of people are saying this is the end of DC going to comic shops. The, the direct market. Yeah, we figured that, right? Sounds like, yeah. <sighs> I was hoping it wasn't true. Yeah, we know that Warner is trying to do something to get out of the comic book business. Yeah. They think they're still so, going to still go towards um, like bookstores like Barnes & Noble and stuff like that. Um, Ethan Van Skyver's got this wild theory. If you've, He's already a, kind of an out-there guy. But uh, his wild theory is that... There will be two Superman books, two Batman books, and then like a 80-page giant that comes out where you get the rest of the superheroes. That's it. I can see it. Just like sell them at yeah. Walmart like they do with their 100-page yeah. giants. Which would be very disappointing. So that is a big bump that of news. Is- Yeah, I could. I'm out there, but I mean, this is what happens when corporations buy other corporations all the time, and they just don't care what properties they own. They just want and want and want. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just they don't care about the properties that they've like DC has been working on since 1930. They don't care. All they care about is a checkbook and what the stock market yep. is doing and what the shareholders want. If, if it means no more, I'm sad to see it go, but maybe, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, the way the world is going right now, I can see DC going away. Because their movies are flopping, and that's all that people see. That's the you know, that's all that the mainstream people see is yeah. the movies. And, and it's like if the movies aren't doing good, that means the stock price is going down, which they're losing money. So why would we keep a thing around that's going to lose us money? 
and working in the stock, you know, world, I can see them do it. I can see them just take it away. Just like, okay, this is losing us money. Our stock price is falling. Our shareholders are upset. We need to find something else that's going to get more bang for our buck. And if that means just selling them at Barnes and Noble as trade paperbacks in one big issue, then that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Cuts down on their, their price of printing, um, all their shipping, you know, even paying their artists and writers. I mean, if they cut back to the core five, let's say Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Green Lantern, Aquaman. That's five, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just, just do those. Real quick myself, just confirm. Just do the, the big five and cut everything else out. I, I can see them do it. It's it sucks. But that is the world we live in that's full of just greedy people who want their cash and doesn't care about the history of anything. Yeah, it's when, true. I mean, I see it all the time. It's the whole thing with like uh, back in the day when Marvel got bought out by Toy Biz and then Marvel bought Toy Biz and then yeah, Disney bought Marvel and it's like oh. at least at least Disney say what you want about them they actually haven't done anything to Marvel they haven't told them not to print these books they haven't told them not to bring out anything new mm-hmm. they, they, they seem like they actually have incorporated their purchase into their world and don't want to mess with it too much Right. Yeah, they want to they want to do the movies and stuff, and that's going to make them a lot more money than the books. But they haven't really told them to lay off people. You know, they yeah. haven't they haven't really changed much about how Marvel runs, and I think that's maybe how who who bought Warner Brothers? Who was AT&T. it? Uh, AT and T. Yeah, they they have no business owning a comic book company. No. And, you know, they, they need to learn how, how Disney did it. And, you know, just because you own a company doesn't mean that you should take total control over it. If, if that company has been alive since 1930, they're doing something right. Mm-hmm. And don't, don't mess with it. You know, I... I wouldn't even mind to see them reducing down their publishing. Um, well, we wouldn't get eight Superman books a month. Yeah, we don't need eight Superman books. We don't need 90 Batman books. <laughs> um, you got a bunch of one-off stuff. Uh, you know, if you're going to do something, maybe reduce it down to, okay, keep it as a Batman detective. Superman action or get rid of Batman Superman completely and make it just action and detective. There's your Batman Superman book, you know, um, maybe do eight titles a month. Maybe like the primary member of the justice league, like you're saying, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Green Lantern, the flash, 
a Justice League book, and then maybe like an 80-page giant for other characters, and then maybe like on a fifth week, you know how some months have fifth weeks? Maybe on a fifth week you do a one-shot from something that spun out of the 80-page giant. It's not going to be containing those other primary characters that have their own books. It's going to be, this is about Martian Manhunter, or this one is about uh, Blue Beetle or Booster Gold or whatever. Do like a little one-shot type deal. Right. It reduces the cost down. You don't need all these books out there. Because, I mean, there is a lot of books. How many of those... um, what did they call that? The second generation, whatever ones, the one with the terrifics or the, Oh yeah. You know, I, I don't remember. But yeah. Brimstone. Nobody cared about, I, I know you like the terrific one, but I mean, for the most part, nobody cared about any of those. They were no. not characters. Anybody was begging for really. Why are you doing that? Create what the people want and stop. I don't know. Right. When they're already struggling like that, and I know they're trying to show that there is value there by doing what they're doing, but it's clear that that's, that wasn't going to work. So instead of having to worry about putting out 52 books a month, knock it down to eight or nine books. Heck, even do 10 books. And maybe on like the last two, you put out a poll and ask people, what characters do you want to see books for? Or um, do what DC, what the DC Comics presents with, with the new 52. I love that. They do like a six-issue run. It was Dead Man. Another six-issue run right after that was Vandal Savage. You know, mm-hmm. do something like that. Uh, so you're still kind of getting a mix of characters out there, but it's not just drowning the market. So... I don't know. I want to see him survive. I really do. You know, I'm a big DC guy. I just don't know how they're going to do it. Nope. I don't know. Because the price of a graphic novel right now, like, I'm like, okay, so it's six issues and I'm going to pay you how much? You know, it's like, I I went to a giant Barnes & Noble this weekend. And I looked through their comic rack, like their huge section of graphic novels. Mm-hmm. And even if my daughter didn't spend a ton of money there, I probably wouldn't have picked up anything anyway. There's just there was just nothing that I really wanted. So it's like I couldn't justify spending that much for a book that feels like a a chore to read through. You know, like just buying an issue doesn't feel like homework. But if I have to read like a whole omnibus, you know, bring home an omnibus because that's all you can get. You know, that's that's homework. Yeah. If I just want to read one story to see if I like it, I don't want to buy a whole graphic novel for it. But that's just me. No, and I agree with you. I mean. Well, you know, with some of these, um, some of these smaller companies like uh, Vault Comics and um, 
I can't. I'm blanking on some other ones. But what I'll do is maybe I'll pick up the trade after they've published the story because it's four bucks for each book, or I'm getting the trade for thirteen bucks. Right. That makes sense to me. Pay sixteen dollars for four or five issues or four issues or whatever you know, or <laughs> twelve bucks, thirteen bucks. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it's really too bad. I know there was at one point there there was rumor that Disney was going to be cutting back on the Marvel stuff, and I think they let go of that idea. Um, because I haven't heard that for a long time. AT&T just needs to get out of the way and let them run their business a little bit. I mean, obviously keep an eye on them, but don't, don't ruin it. Right. So I also saw, okay. So dumb, right? So at the Barnes Noble, they had a hardcover edition of Marvel comics, 1000 and the regular $10 book. I was like, uh-huh. why would I spend $22 for a hardcover when I can spend 10 for the softcover right next to it? Unless I was a total collector and I really love this book. Which I'm not did. paying you $22 for a hardcover of this. What was the extra features of it? I don't know. I, it was sealed, so I couldn't see what it was. But I'm betting yeah, it, it had was to just be all the covers or something. I'm betting, yeah, too, right? I'm betting it was just the story. But it was small. It, it looked like it was just the story. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I guess it has bonus features. It's 144 pages, but it didn't seem like it. It felt like just a small, like a book, like like a small graphic novel. Huh. There's still been no payoff of that, by the way. <laughs> you mean the Dark Rider hasn't shown up or whatever his name is? Yeah, that black mask or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Going to be a big piece of the co- future. Really? <laughs> <laughs> what future? <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, what? When they say that, like, oh, it's going to be a huge splash in the coming, you know. Um, no, it never happens. Or they try and make it a bigger deal than it actually is. He shows up in one book for five minutes and. Yeah, I think. They really don't have a story. I think the masquerader showed up in one issue that I read later on. And that was it. Ridiculous. I mean, and calling it Marvel 1000 is just like, uh, what number 1000 of what, you know, what are you, what are you celebrating a thousand of? You've done more than a thousand issues. You've done more than a thousand series. What is this a thousand of? This is because uh, Action Comics hit a thousand, Detective Comics hit a thousand, and you guys wanted to get in on that. The response, right? It's like, ugh, because you you haven't done Marvel Comics since 1943, I'm guessing, but actually, the probably the end of the war. So probably in like 1946 was probably. I don't know. How many issues did Marvel Comics go to? 
I mean, four or five. I mean, it wasn't a lot. No. So we couldn't call it Marvel Comics 1000 because they haven't done a thousand issues of Marvel Comics. Like, you're just, it's a money grab for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And now it's a money grab for 25 bucks. Ridiculous. <laughs> I didn't know they even did that. It's like, that was already kind of like its own book in itself. Why do you need a special right. edition of it? It's a prestige, hard, like, so, like soft cover graphic novel. Anyway, why do you need this? Special edition hardcover for it. Well, did it did it sell that well? I doubt it. <laughs> you know, that's just it. Okay, so we're publishing that. Why aren't they putting out like older stuff that people can't get access to anymore? Yeah, well, people may want to spend the money for something like that. That's the part that kills me. It's like. There's so many good stories I want to read, but I can't find the issues of. Publish those again. Example the question. <laughs> They'll never do it. They will never. Oh, I know they won't. But because like... they, don't, they don't want to take a chance. They'd rather put out Batman White Knight Volume 45 than ever put out the question. You know, I've, I've they've started doing uh, Green Arrow's Mike Grill run. Love it. Mm-hmm. They've decided to stop. I'm like, serious? I wanted to get to issue 100 so badly. <laughs> yeah. I think I got to like 75. And just finish it. Yeah, I don't they- know. There's some characters that they will not ever do. You know, like, they'd rather pump out a Rorschach book than a question book. And if you think about it, that would be a great lead into the question. Like, hey, you like Rorschach. Here's the origin for him. Here's here's where we got the idea for him. Well, what was it? Issue 21 of the question. Rorschach makes his first appearance in the DC universe. Right. There you go. I'm sure that pissed Alan Moore off real bad. Because yeah. he was like, this, this, nope, these characters should never appear in continuity ever. <laughs> well, they probably realized he was nuts, so. <laughs> right. They're like, oh, you know, it's been 20 years. Here we go. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, they, they could do so much. Like, there's a lot of books from the 80s and 70s that they've just never done anything with. Oh, yeah. So. I know there's a lot you've told me about. I'm like, oh, I really kind of want to check those out. And, or I'll read, you know, I've read one or whatever. I'm like, oh, I really like this. And then you can't find them. <laughs> or you yeah. got to pay an arm and a leg. It's like, well, what about uh, Collected? Nope. Nope. <laughs> yeah, that's... That... Yeah, I mean, just some characters that they just kind of like were like, oh, yeah, we've had him. We still do. We still own a character, but uh, we're never going to do anything with it. Yeah, that's really too bad. Because, yeah, think about it. 
Marvel still owns all of Ultraverse, and they're not going to touch that ever. No. They're just perfectly happy with all those issues sitting in the quarter bin. <laughs> yep. DC probably still owns all of the like the fly, the fly, the, the human or the flyman and the crusader and all of those mm-hmm. and the web. Yep, they do. Actually, they um I think they're are they actually going to do something with them now? Well, they did repub or they republish is not the right word. They did a one shot for a number of those books. Um Wow, was that time is not my friend. I can't, I'm always off a little bit. Fifteen years ago, maybe, maybe less than that. Um, where they did like a one shot with it. I'm huh. pretty sure it's pro- let's see, I'm looking it up here real quick. Um because I remember when we were at Alan's show, I was looking through and I'm like, hey, there's a copy of the web or the fly. And it wasn't Impact's version. Mm-hmm. Um, it is marked as DC. Let's see the web. There we go. Uh, oh, 2000. Actually, it ran for the web. Actually, ran for 2009 to 2010. So twelve issues. Hmm. Um, let's see. I think they did another one too, besides the wet. I cannot remember. I think they were marked kind of like uh, red circle for some reason. I have that in my head. No, they weren't red circle. Um,. Yeah, so they did like the the one I'm looking at is the web, but it had a second feature in the back of it type deal. Yeah. So, and I saw a couple other ones too. I can't remember what they were, but you know, they did something with it ten years ago, probably because they were about to set to expire. And that's when you ever see it, that kind of stuff. It just, well, we got to save the trademark, so let's do something with it real quick and then right, never show them again. Like what uh, Marvel does sometimes with uh, Howard the Duck. Yep. Like every 10 years, you'll get a Howard the Duck book. Or he'll appear in some weird book. What was it, about five years ago? There was like, they did a 12-issue run of Howard the Duck, and then they did another like almost immediately after they did another Howard the Duck. I'm like, what? Yep. Why? Just same stories. Just, you know, they got to keep the, the copyright. So they have to do that. You know, one thing that always bugs me. So when you're reading like comic news on like Screen Ranch or something like that, and they're like the, the most powerful character you've never heard of. Um, yeah, I've heard of him. I love this character. So there, there's one. There's an article called "You've Never Heard of the Avengers' Most Powerful Enemy," and it's like, 
it's Michael Korvac, right? It's a picture of Michael Korvac. Anybody who's read comics since the 80s knows who Michael Korvac is. And it's like, uh, yeah, there's a graphic novel. There's a, it's a huge storyline in, in the Avengers back in the day. We all know yeah. who this is. So can we stop thinking we're hoity-toity and we all, we know something you don't? Like, you, everybody knows this. Well, that's just it, though. They're pandering to the people that may not actually know that. They overlook yeah. the ones that actually do. It's like, ugh. It just, it just bugs me. It's, it's like that whole Facebook thing. Like, oh, a character you've never heard of before. Oh, wonder who this is. Oh, well, great. And, I get okay. it. So there's a character showing up from the old Captain Britt comics in the Avengers now. Is it Captain Britain? No. <laughs> but there, there was a character called uh, the Fury. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he destroyed everybody in his continuity. And he went on. Like, we read that issue. I think we did. Um, yeah, he's yeah. showing up in X-Force number 14. And hmm. he's about to... Uh... Yeah, I, that actually I think would be pretty interesting, but I don't really want to read any X-Men books. I'm X yeah. out. Still X'd out. I just... From the 90s? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Okay, okay, I was reading... Okay, I was thinking about something about the X-Men today. Um, do you remember reading Secret Wars? Back in yeah. the day? And how the X-Men are always complaining that they're secluded, like, they're, they're, you know, they're segregated from everybody, that they're, they're so different that everybody hates them. And when you're mm -hmm. reading Secret Wars, they... Do it to themselves. They do it to themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They... <laughs> they have their own base, and all the mutants go over to that base, and they're all like little prima donnas who don't want to get involved. And it has always bugged me since then that they're all like, oh, we're persecuted against. No, you did it to yourself. Yeah. These heroes and villains and whatever were going to accept you and bring you into the fold, but you were like, oh, no, we're different. We, we're we're going to go over to the corner and, uh, uh, and put ourselves in timeout. Yep. And that has always bugged me. And I think that wraps up everything I think about the X-Men. Like, they're fighting for injustice and equal rights, but yet they seclude themselves to their own. Uh-huh. And they're still doing it. So, we have our own island now. We have our own rules. We don't live by human rules. We, uh... Like, you did it to yourself. <laughs> Yeah, that's always bugged me since Secret War. I think that's one of the first experiences I had with the X-Men. And it's like, I thought these were supposed to be kind of good guys. Why are they going off by themselves? Yeah, they'd rather hang out with Magneto than hang out with Captain America. Yeah. All right. Well, at least Spider-Man kicked your ass. <laughs> that's my favorite scene where he just comes into their headquarters and beats the crap out of them and then takes off. All right, dude. It's uh, been right. an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. A lot of discussion tonight. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it for the show tonight. Thanks for listening. 
Uh, please leave some feedback. Let us know what you're thinking, what kind of questions you got, uh, suggestions, whatever. We're always looking to make the show a little bit better. It's been Ryan. And Nick. Have a good one. Bye. Back next week. Bye.